Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors, a bit weird, but it works. Today's special is a most notorious crypt- Christmas cryptid, if I can say it. <laughs> Christmas cryptid. I'm your hostess, Emily, and with me are the captivating and creative Ashley and Lindsay. Hi, ladies. Hello. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) I didn't know Mr. Hanky was invited, but that's cool. (laughs) I do love some South Park, so it's all good. Who doesn't enjoy a Christmas poo? Somebody probably doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're just going to dive right into our meal. I've decided to whip up a devilishly delicious tale of Krampus per Ashley's request way, way, way back from when we first started the show. I don't know. It might have been the first or second cryptid episode you requested Krampus. I don't even remember that. That's how long ago it was. I just I know what happened. To know. <laughs> I fully believe that I did it because it sounds like something I would do, but I don't remember. <laughs> So I'm such a weirdo, and I find us so damn funny that I listen to us on repeat. (laughs) Because we crack me up, so. (laughs) I've heard it a few times that maybe you wanted Krampus. But as usual with my cryptids, this did not end up turning out quite like I had expected it, and instead I kind of wound up down this weird Christmassy rabbit hole that I did not expect to be falling down, because I thought Krampus would be pretty straightforward. Apparently it's not. So the best way that I could think about cooking up this meal was to start by talking about how much of the world perceives Krampus in present day. So like what we see Krampus as. And then we'll step back and talk about the potential history and other possible explanations for this Christmas creature. Does that sound cool with you? I like it. Oh, cool. Thanks. I'm over here trying to figure out how I can make Krampus cookies, but that's totally different. (laughs) Listen, I love to make cookies, and then I don't ever want to eat them, though. I don't know. Well, when 
when we come visit, you can make all the cookies and then we can eat them. Okay, that sounds good. I like the smell of things baking. Like, sometimes I like it more than I like eating stuff. So are you one of those people who would like a... Like one of those candles that smells like sugar cookies or one that smells like bread. Yeah, I love that smell. I think it smells heavenly. Mm-hmm. I think if oh I had a God. bread candle, I would just eat all the time. A bread scented <laughs> candle. Oh my God. Is that, is that a thing? It probably... It's a thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. I knew the sugar cookie ones existed because I had one of those like a long time ago. I don't have it anymore because I burn it too much and it's gone. <laughs> my all-time favorite was a blueberry muffin candle mm. oh my god it smelled so good i just wanted to eat everything blueberry ever because it smells so freaking good mm. i burned it away it's all gone but anyway enough about candles <laughs> Let's talk about krampus <laughs> candles candles His story originated primarily in the alpine regions of Bavaria and Austria, though he is now celebrated over greater regions of Germany, aka Deutschland, Austria, Slovenia, Hungary, Croatia, and the Czech Republic, among others. We do celebrate him here in the U.S. as well. Oh my god, my screen just ran away from me. (laughs) Just like the little children. (laughs) My children do run away from me, that's true. (laughs) From the contemporary viewpoint outside of where he originated, Krampus is often viewed as a malicious standalone character associated with Christmas. So that's why we see him and his, he's got his own movie here and everything. He's typically depicted as a half goat, half devil or demon, anti-Santa. That's my favorite, anti-Santa on, that arrives on Christmas Eve, just before real Santa comes to reward all the good and well-behaved children of the world. Krampus shows up because, you know, there's got to be a little bit of fun for the darker people of the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> so this weird Christmassy duality of the loving good St. Nick and the evil dangerous Krampus has led to their relationship being described as kind of a yin and a yang. So it's like a balance of darkness and light, the good, the bad. So this makes some sense given how people would have perceived the world when Krampus first came to be, right? There was night and day, winter and summer, sun, moon, man, woman, all those, you know, black and white stuff. Much of the world was built on this perceived duality, though there were also many creations and beings that fell somewhere kind of in between. I think I'm one of those creations, personally. (laughs) (laughs) I would go to the medium place. (laughs) You're going to hang out with Mindy and do some coke? I mean, it doesn't sound like a horrible way to spend eternity. Maximum Derek. I'm good. (laughs) His current physical incarnation looks a lot like the Christian idea of the devil. With hooves, horns, red, black, or brown fur. He has a tail. And... One of the things that you can see a lot is this grotesquely long tongue that would probably put Gene Simmons to shame. Like, it's grossly long. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, just think Venom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although I or think like probably- a furry mononongle. <laughs> yes. See, I was just thinking. <laughs> Only with legs. They might have a longer tongue than he does, though. Because they can send theirs through the the lick hole. (laughs) The lick hole. (laughs) Let's have a contest. Who's got a longer tongue? 
Krampus or the Mononongle? That would be a very weird competition. <laughs> what? I don't even know how it works. So on top of all of this, some sources even say that he has one human foot and one cloven hoof. <laughs> Though I can't, I can't figure out why. I couldn't find it anywhere. How would don't, that work? Don't imagine it running because that's what's happening over here. <laughs> You just call him clumpy. <laughs> uh, so my my thought behind it was that maybe that there was originally some kind of belief that there was humanity, some kind of or level of humanity to Krampus before he eventually turned like entirely bestial. Hmm. But I, I really don't know. I couldn't find anything about it. That was just pure speculation there, which I'll be doing a lot of in this episode, by the way. <laughs> Rampant speculation. We never do that. (laughs) Sound like us. We don't just make shit up as we go. No. We don't Mm -hmm. fly by the seat of our pants here. We take them off. (laughs) We do. (laughs) This is very true. I believe I just edited an episode where I asked you to take your pants off. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs pants? Images of Krampus over the past century certainly reinforce the idea of him being this really purely evil being. They primarily show him shackled in long chains and carrying a bundle of birch branches or a broom and a bag or basket. The branches, sometimes replaced with a whip, are used to beat, torment, and torture misbehaving children, while the bag or the basket holds the naughtiest as he drags them away to hell, never to be seen again. <laughs> Take that, Billy. <laughs> We're going, Billy. I'm over here, like, just stuff little Klaus right in there. And drag <laughs> oh, no. Whatever. Klaus is a little shit. You don't know. <laughs> Have you run into a little shit Klaus in your life before? No. <laughs> no. I've run, I've run into some little shits, but I don't actually know their names. Fun fact, one time when I used to work at this grocery store that I worked at for a very long time, this woman brought her son in with a toy sword, and he used that toy sword to smash a whole bunch of muffins, and I still hate that kid. (laughs) (laughs) 50 years from now, she's going to be like, that fucking kid with this stupid little sword. Goddamn muffin smasher. (laughs) So, yeah, he could be Klaus. Why not? I don't know what his actual name is. Probably, like, Timmy, but Klaus. Billy. Nope. Billy. I think it all sounds pretty, um, yeah, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Any of them. Very legit. Billy the Muffin Smasher. (laughs) That sounds like some kind of name a college guy would want to have. It does. Gross. What kind of little shit smashes a bunch of a bunch of pastries? Like, get don't smash people's muffins when they're trying to like quickly grab a snack. Can we please make a, a muffin smasher? <laughs> Oh god! All-time all muffin smashing champion. <laughs> With us, just put like a sword on there somewhere. That little fucker. Smash. I'm still upset about it. We had to clean those up. It takes a long time to clean up muffin crumbs. Especially if they're moist. Or chunky. 
God damn it. <laughs> okay, as we are as... so far off track. It's my fault. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Lindsay, you were going to say something? Oh, I was going to say as long as they're not musty muffins. <sighs> musty, chunky muffins. Never tell these two anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back on track. We're still talking about Krampus, not muffins. But kind of also muffins. <laughs> on almost any website that you visit, you'll find that his name is derived from the word Krampen, which is said to be Deutsche, or Old High Deutsche, for claw. I tried to confirm this translation, however, it does not appear to be accurate. What? I'm weird. <laughs> I looked through old High Deutsche and modern Deutsche dictionaries online. And yes, I'm going to pause every time because I'm like, am I saying that correctly? I don't know. There were many words for claw in both, but none were cramping or even sounded close. Instead, at least one of those dictionaries said that cramping means pickaxe or staple in the modern language. So I don't really, I really don't know how true that is. I'd be interested to hear from any of our patrons from Deutschland or Austria whether this is accurate because I don't know if I was really looking in the right dictionaries, but I was trying. Now I just picture Krampus as like a giant red stapler. Yeah, right. That's what I pictured too. <laughs> he's a swing line, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Maybe it's because he's a staple of German Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that fucking face. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's like a cartoon face. I don't think I've ever seen a human face do that before. I know I haven't. <laughs> Another common theme you will find on many websites states that it's believed Krampus is the son of hell from Norse mythology. You guys remember Hell? Mm-hmm. We do. Ashley, yeah, you talked about her in the Norse mythology episode. She's the daughter of Loki and a giantess whose name I couldn't pronounce. Yeah, that is correct, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of their offspring, they had several. Mm-hmm. She's the sister of Fenrir, the wolf, and <laughs> Jormungandr, the world serpent, I mm-hmm. say with a question mark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly. She is sometimes described as a goddess, though she was more likely a demigod of some sort, because he's already a demigod, and then he's doing it with a giantess. So she's got to be like a demi-demigod. And Hel, unsurprisingly, ruled over Helheim, which was later um, perverted into hell by Christianity. Well, they do love to pervert things in Christianity. They do. So I thought this story that Krampus might be her child was really interesting. And so I went down another rabbit hole because I was really interested in it and I wanted to know more about it. But unfortunately, this actually appears to be a modern creation. So in 2012, author Gerald Brom published a fantasy novel called Krampus the Yule Lord, which appears to have suggested the Norse connection. This suggestion was later picked up by Norwegian game producers and proliferated online as fact by publications such as National Geographic, History, and Britannica. So I I literally found this on all those websites. But there doesn't appear to be any basis to it. The Yule Lord. The Yule Lord. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I'm just picturing Star-Lord, but it's cramping. Yes! (laughs) 
Nope, don't like that. <laughs> Lifts up his mask and you're like, ah, oh, put it back on, put it back on. Get out of here, Peter Quill. You're not <laughs> you, It's you, Lord. No. <laughs> it's Peter. <laughs> so I looked and I looked through anything that I could find about hell from Norse mythology and history online to determine whether there might be any kind of truth to this, but I really couldn't find any mention of her ever even having children. There's not a whole lot about hell, to be perfectly honest. Right. So I would be shocked if someone could actually locate that in a Norse text anywhere. Yeah. it's That's actually my next bullet, is that she's only mentioned by name in one surviving story, and yep. is only presumed to be described in others. Though she's never directly named. So no, and none of these that I could see ever even talked about her having kids. So I don't know where this guy came up with this. He's just like, yeah, this seems cool. And everybody else went, seems legit. That makes sense. <laughs> he was like, with it. he was like, well, these cultures were sort of close to each other. It could happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, happened. I mean, we'll get into it that there might be some other Norse background there, but I don't even know that for sure. That's more rampant speculation. We'll get into it in a little bit. <laughs> Crampant speculation. <laughs> it is crampant <laughs> speculation. <laughs> so what I was able to find was that she may have had a hound or a wolf at her side known as Garm, which some speculate was actually her brother Fenrir because of how the stories go. And this hound wolf guy thingy that was kept in chains. That's, that's who Garm was. My guess is that similarities with the chains and associations with hell were drawn between Garm and Krampus because both of them were chained. There's that that hell but other than that it really like I couldn't find anything that tied the two together so I call bullshit uh, <laughs> Fenrir fun. was also chained so yes, I was. call even more bullshit mm-hmm. wolf shit whatever you know <laughs> <laughs> giant demigod wolf shit yes yes big wolf poos that's, that's what <laughs> we're talking about in the late 1800s and early 1900s, people would send each other these cheeky little cards known as Krampus Carton. Have you ever Ooh. seen these things? I want one. So these were Krampus cards, and they're just so very festive. There's nothing that says Christmas cheer like receiving a Krampus Carton, let me tell you what. These cards, which showed pictures of Krampus performing his duties, largely inspired his modern image. Card makers had heard of the tradition of Krampus and saw a commercial opportunity, but they really didn't quite know what Krampus looked like. So they basically just took their best guesses based <laughs> on like the wide ranging descriptions. <laughs> like, sure, he sounds like a bad guy. We'll make him look like the devil. So that's where our modern interpretation, like visualization of him comes from. So are these kind of like are these kind of like vinegar cards from Valentine's Day? I don't know what a vinegar card is, but I would say yes. Okay. I have no idea, but yes. Okay. I'll show you, Car- I'll send you some pictures of these things, but I'm going to describe them a little bit. Sure. So on these cards, and these are picture late 1800s, early 1900s, so these are probably like woodcut prints with color. Uh, Krampus can be seen ripping at children's ears, <clears throat> like picking them up by the ears, and they're obviously screaming and crying. <laughs> Stuffing them into bags and baskets. So you see little legs sticking out everywhere or kids trying to, like, (laughs) claw their way out. (laughs) Pulling on their hair and looking like he's getting ready to eat them. 
In some of these, he's side by side with St. Nick. So he's standing there torturing crying children as St. Nick is like, here, good little boys and girls, why don't you have this candy? And the, the kids, nice. the good kids are like, great, thanks, St. Nick. Sucks to be you, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get a little bit of salt in Billy's wound there. Yep. There are a few depictions of Krampus going after adults, but these are generally women. And there are, unsurprisingly, pictures of Krampus as a female character rather than a male. Because we have to be gross about everything. <laughs> yep. What's that? Rule Rule 34 or whatever? Yeah, Rule yep. 34. Yeah. I saw on many websites that Krampus and celebrations related to him were banned in many regions, including Germany and Austria, for good chunks of the 20th century. <laughs> Some sources said this was due to his appearance as a devil. Like, so he just looked too devilish. And others that he was seen as representing socialist ideals. What? (laughs) Oh, no, not socialism. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently the fascists were like, Krampus is way too socialist. We gotta get. They're like, it's a communist socialist thing. He doles out punishment to everyone. We can't have that. (laughs) Get out of here with that shit. (laughs) Everybody gets treated as an equal. Fuck that noise. (laughs) So I couldn't confirm the accuracy of these statements anywhere, but I really wouldn't find it terribly surprising to learn that he was banned. Could also help explain why he largely disappeared from the public view until the late 20th century. He really just kind of dropped off after the early 1900s. It was like the 1920s, 30s, where he started to get banned, according to stuff online. I'm guessing the region, region, the reason I couldn't find any information, like really digging into that about who banned him and when, was probably because it's all in another language. Probably. And, you know, fascist. So there's probably not a whole lot of it that's still out there (laughs) on the internet. Maybe somewhere. But I didn't dig that deeply. I'm sure it's still out there. (sighs) Supposedly, there were also, like, pamphlets that they would send out to families to be like, don't torture your kids. You're going to scar them for life if you teach them about Krampus. Which, you know, to be fair, they're probably not wrong. Be a good little kid, or this guy's going to come along, drag you away to hell, and we'll never see you again. Oh, and by the way, Merry Christmas. I love you, Billy. Bye, Billy. (laughs) In recent decades, the popularity of Krampus has exploded in regions outside of the Alps and has helped reignite a new desire to preserve the folkloric traditions. So Atlas Obscura attributes this new fascination to the 2004 book Krampus, the Christmas Devil by Monty Beauchamp, or Beauchamp, I'm not sure, in which he reprinted those old Krampus cartons. So he picked up all the, or he collected a whole bunch of these old Krampus cartons and reprinted them in a book with a discussion of the history uh, of the cards in the region. So really nice. got people like, ooh, this is twisted. I like this because that's who we are. Let's be real. <laughs> what is this show? <laughs> so this brook, this brook, <laughs> <laughs> sorry this book brought Krampus to an entirely new audience and one that might have been a little tired of the oval oval, oh my god the oval teen rich chocolatey oh my god (laughs) rich chocolatey oval teen 
<laughs> I don't like when things are too overly. It's just wrong. <laughs> like a more square or triangular. Give me a good rhombus any day, but fuck the ovals. <laughs> <laughs> I love me a good trapezoid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, okay. Did we invite Sling Blade? <laughs> <laughs> so, modern people around the world are probably getting really sick and tired of the very sugary, sweet version of Christmas that was had become so popularized by the late 20th century. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be real. St. Nick brings Christmas toys to every kid. It doesn't matter if you've been bad. You're not getting cold. There's like there's no repercussions. Mm-hmm. But suddenly now there's this real punishment for misbehaving children, not just the threat of cold. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's wicked cool. Let's be real. Well, and how realistic is using coal anymore as a punishment? Uh, right. It's a fossil fuel. <laughs> <laughs> then YouTube brought the annual festival known as Krampuslauf, or Krampus Run, to the rest of the world. So this festival is now held in regions all over the world, including many cities in the U.S. and back home in the Alps. And these runs involve young men dressing up as Krampus in terrifying costumes with masks that have massive horns and demonic faces and all like the big, huge tongue. And they're super creepy. And they often carry torches, branches or whips, which are meant to scare spectators, though apparently sometimes they get a little out of hand. And basically what happens in the present version of these runs is that the men will get shit faced. <laughs> just surprise, surprise. Hammered, and then, you know, what's the best thing to do? Let's give them a bunch of branches <laughs> to run through the cities and try to scare people. <laughs> so, in some locations, people actually do hit each other with branches as part of tradition. I think, like, northern Italy, they actually do go around and they whack each other's legs and just crack each other with these things. Um, no on. one should ever let me participate in this because... <laughs> I can see now that I'd be like, oh, this is fun, but it would not end well. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy come Christmas. This is how we take out all the aggression for the whole year. (laughs) Let's start the new year fresh. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, Americans are particularly fond of getting drunk and running around trying to scare each other and other people. So we really latched on to this festival. It's pretty big now in regions like New Orleans. But I think they even have one in Minnesota. They ha- I know they have them out west. Yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> Google it. Yes, you should Google it. I think you already missed yours for this. Sh- no. Maybe it's the 17th this year. I, w- I actually came across a few websites. So, <laughs> Unfortunately, these runs have really gotten kind of out of hand in a lot of places. And some regions of the world have uh, banned alcohol to try and tone down the event because people were getting a little too into character. What? Yeah. No. It appears this is mostly uh, a thing, like, in the Alpine regions. They're going, okay, y'all need to chill out. We're going to limit the alcohol. No more of that, please. Just smack each other and go home. (laughs) Krampus has gained so much popularity in contemporary pop culture that he has inspired comic books, movies, TV shows, and podcasts. And I can almost guarantee that you, dear patron, have seen or heard of him elsewhere in recent years. I know. I I definitely saw that Krampus movie. Did you guys see it? I think it was 2015. 
I don't watch horror movies, so I didn't watch it, but I did. I know Jess watched it, and I've seen the trailers. I don't know that I'd call it a horror movie. Maybe comedy horror, because it was so... It was corny as all get out, but it was great. I enjoyed it because it was terrible. <laughs> it's a really bad movie, but a really good bad movie. I still want to see Velocipaster. I have not heard of that, but that sounds really good. <laughs> I think it's on Netflix. Okay, so Minnesota Krampus. Yeah, it's a thing. There's like a bunch of stuff going on. Told you. That's weird. Yeah, it's a big thing. So that's generally it for the contemporary perception of Krampus, particularly outside of where he originated. We'll be right back after a quick break to dish on the history behind the demon. Welcome back. After our first course, you might be wondering who and what is Krampus in his native territory if he's apparently so different to the rest of the world. Well, as it turns out, that's a little harder to pin down, but there are a few overarching themes. And I'm going to occasionally say it like I should if I was German. Krampus is thought to predate the introduction of Christianity in the region, although it appears there are no written records which mention his name prior to the 16th century. That's the 1500s, Linz. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Math is hard. (laughs) (laughs) This could suggest that his origins aren't truly pre-Christian at all, or it may suggest that the villages of the region were simply so remote that much of what was passed down occurred through oral rather than written tradition. We really can't say for sure. It's become really difficult to disentangle traditional folk beliefs of Krampus, his purpose, his power, and his appearance, from those that were heavily influenced following the introduction of Christianity into the region. Not surprising. Mm. No. I think, I feel like we we encounter this time and time again when we talk about something that's been around for a really long time in terms of beliefs instead of modern. It's almost certain that Christianity came along and was like, ha, I'm going to tweak it because I guarantee it's evil. It's bad, like drugs, but we're going to tweak it a little bit because we like tweaking and we're going to make it ours. Let me snort a lot of that holy spirit. (laughs) I mean, I, for once, am just over here having non-drug thoughts because I'm like, oh, Christianity reminds me of those seagulls in Finding Nemo where they're just like, mine, mine, mine. Mine, mine, every time they find a thing. <laughs> I feel like that's accurate. I feel like that's very accurate. That is very accurate. That was a good uh, good analogy. Traditionally speaking, though, Krampus doesn't seem to really have had one set appearance. He was more of kind of like a concept, kind of a boogeyman type creature than mm-hmm. a physical being. However, similarities have been noted with beings in other ancient beliefs, such as satyrs, fawns, Horned gods and Pershton, which we'll come back to later. Though these are described as potential inspiration for the Christmas devil, it is important to note that they are not considered to be one and the same, but it's probably safe to assume that Krampus is some kind of half man, half goat, or half man, half demon kind of character based on these descriptions and and um, being related to the, those other type of creatures. What we do know is that Krampus did traditionally carry a rod or a bundle of birch branches known as a rutin and a basket or a bag. And he came to be associated with the arrival of St. Nicholas at some point in his history. We know that. While in America, Krampus kind of runs around 
does his own thing. In the Alpine region, he's actually one of St. Nick's counterparts and typically travels with him and possibly with a few other nefarious characters or wild men, like Belschnickel, for instance. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, brothers that like to run around with a bunch of birch branches that they hit people with tend to <laughs> hang out together. <laughs> This is true. You like to hit children with branches, too? Oh, my. (laughs) Did we just become best friends? We did. It makes me think of the episode, (laughs) the Skinwalker episode, when you were talking about how you figure out (laughs) how to start, like, a cult or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot like that. Uh, One of them was probably like, hey, you know, be weird is if we hit a child with a birch switch. And the other one was like, that wouldn't be weird. That'd be awesome. (laughs) And the first guy's like, yes. (laughs) And of course, if it doesn't work, you just say, oh, I was just kidding. I must have too much to drink. (laughs) Too much eggnog. You know how it goes. I get so crazy. (laughs) Yes, that's it exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. (laughs) So Krampus would pay his visit on the night of December 5th, known as Krampusnacht, or Krampus Night, while St. Nick made his rounds early in the morning of December 6th, known as Niklusdag, or St. Nicholas Day. And I'm hoping that I'm not completely butchering my pronunciation. I am sorry, Germany, if I'm doing a terrible job. We do have a fair amount of listeners over there, so hi, guys. Hi. You guys are still listening after all of the things. <laughs> Aw, I love you too with my cold little black heart. <laughs> In some stories, St. Nick sent Krampus out to evaluate the children and punish the bad. And then he would come around later to reward those who had passed the test. So it's basically like if you're still there, you pass the test. So <laughs> Here's some oranges. <laughs> so you don't get scurvy. <laughs> In others, St. Nick and Krampus would travel together and may have entered a home at the same time. In either case, St. Nick really didn't seem to care what happened to the bad kids. He just wanted to know whom he should be rewarding. And it was Krampus's job to figure that out. So he would just be kind of like, sucks to be you, kid. Guess you should have been better. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious if there were identical twins and they mixed them up? <laughs> That actually, okay, that would be terrifying and sad and hilarious, (laughs) but it probably wouldn't happen based on what I'm about to tell you. Okay. When these beings arrived at a child's home, the child was asked to prove their goodness, so they didn't know ahead of time. Mm. It wasn't like they were omniscient. They weren't all-knowing. Um... Did the kids behave all year? Did they obey their parents? Did they obey the Ten Commandments? They might also be asked to recite prayers or the catechism or perhaps sing a hymn. Thank you, Christianity. We know where that one came from. So, you know, unless one twin's really trying to screw over the other. Okay, but what if you're just a brilliant sociopath? I mean, (laughs) how hard would it be to game the system is all I'm saying. You know what the stakes are. I'd lie my ass off. (laughs) Yeah, and I didn't really see anything that they could 
technically detect a lie. I didn't see that in my research. I don't know if that's a thing that's a belief over there, but at least from what I saw, they couldn't tell if you were full of shit. I walk old ladies across the street all the time. I don't leave them in the middle of the intersection. (laughs) (laughs) If the kids passed this little test and St. Nick rewarded them by leaving treats or gifts, often in shoes placed outside of doors, sometimes smashing them apparently with watermelons, according to Lindsay. (laughs) I just really don't want anyone to leave any treats in my shoes. (laughs) Thanks. God, if it's chocolate and you step on it, it's just like... (laughs) underneath your foot. (laughs) I mean, if it's anything edible, I don't want anything to do with it if I find it in a shoe. Like, I'm not trying to be dramatic. That's just... It can't be hygienic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't want foot candy? Feet get so sweaty. Yes, they do. (laughs) No, I I don't want foot candy. Why does this chocolate taste like cheese? Why do your feet taste like cheese? <laughs> like, I never tasted my feet. Why would I know? That <laughs> feet taste like Rachel's trifle. <laughs> Beef jam and lady fingers. That's what feet taste like. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <sighs> so, um, you know, if if you uh, if you were well behaved and you got. Rachel's trifle. You might, <laughs> you might also get another little treat. In some cases, the rootin' bundles, those birch branches, were given to the family to remind the child to continue to behave. So in some regions, these were painted gold and then hung on the wall year-round. Like, don't be misbehave or we're gonna beat the tar out of you with this. <laughs> Jesus. So if the child fails the test, however their punishments could vary pretty dramatically. Those who'd been a little naughty might simply receive a lump of coal, or they might be smacked with birch branches or a rod, or even just outright beaten. But they survive and they're left. If they were judged to have been particularly bad, then Krampus would place them in his bag or basket to take away with him. Some tales say children would be taken to live with Krampus and be punished for only a year. So you go and you're bad. So you go away with Krampus for a year, which still sucks. That's a year in hell with a guy that's probably threatening to eat you every day. Others say that he would take them, then torture, drown, or even eat them. Most definitely destroying any chance of them returning back home. So those are kind of like... If you've been a little bad, I'm just going to beat you. If you've been really bad, then I'm going to eat you. I'm Krampus and I like to rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) Rhyming is fun. I wanted to do a rhyme with that and my my brain totally farted out there. (laughs) Rhyming is fun, but it's apparently not as much fun as beating children with like a switch. So that is true. Rhyming is fun, but so is the Krampus run. <laughs> there, I made a rhyme. There you go. See, you did. You got I got there, there eventually. <laughs> oh, Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. So his coming would be celebrated every year with parades or Krampus love, though these don't seem to have occurred on specific set dates. So it kind of depended on where you were at. It, you would think it would be before Krampus gets there. 
to kind of remind everybody to behave. But no, sometimes it was like, oh, two weeks after or something. I don't know. <laughs> For next year. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, time is a social construct. Let's just move it around a little for funsies. <laughs> During these parades and runs, people would dress up as their local interpretation of Krampus, which was often inspired by what people had close at hand to craft with. So this may have included wolf or sheep's pelts, horns or antlers, straw, branches, or other items that might help make a figure appear imposing or even frightening. So you might be thinking straw. <laughs> frightening yeah that's scary seriously though in some places Krampus basically looks like a walking hay bale with some horns sticking out of the top <laughs> I saw these pictures of guys dressed up in the hay with the horns and then they just had these little hands sticking out of the side <laughs> hey now depending on what your allergies are that could be terrifying it could so, be this is true <laughs> I say as I scratch my eye again <laughs> Just seems like a walking fire hazard. Nah, it's all right. Especially with the torches. Yeah, and a bunch r- of drunk guys. <laughs> one wrong move, and it's just like, <laughs> oof. And then they look like the sheep from the <laughs> first crematorium, <laughs> <laughs> or like a Looney Tunes cartoon. The next day, everybody's like, "Oh, what happened?" Uh, I can't think of any German Carl. names that aren't class. I was just gonna say Carl. <laughs> what happened to Carl? What happened to Carl? And the other guy's like, "Oh yeah, I got a little too drunk. He has third degree burns now." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What a, what a terrible way to celebrate. Somebody's like, "Ah, Krampus laugh, whatever." <laughs> Things got a little too lit. <laughs> All he wants for Christmas is a few layers of skin back. <laughs> and a lot of ointment. <laughs> so much ointment. And some pain medication. <laughs> oh, my oh no. In addition to being potentially a gigantic uh, walking hay bale, in some regions carefully handcrafting intricate wooden Krampus masks... Uh, remains a very time-honored tradition even now, and a lot of pride comes from producing and then wearing them at the festivals, which, you know, that's just more fuel for the fire if we're going to talk about somebody getting lit. For some reason, even though you said it was wood, I just pictured, like, basket weaving (laughs) of, like, a mask. No, they're actually really cool-looking wooden masks. They kind of make me think of... um, Like, kabuki masks? Yes. Yeah, but more like the European version of a demon versus yeah. the the Japanese version of a demon. Yeah, a lot like that. They're really pretty, actually. They're cool and creepy. Nice. I can see why people take a lot of pride in them. So the Krampuslauf. These processions and parades shared much in common with traditional mumming, which is uh, was and is kind of like a performance in which people dress in costumes and then they parade through the streets, basically putting on a show. Uh, think Mardi Gras. Okay. But a little less gratuitous. <laughs> Less boobies in Bavaria. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Bavaria. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you have a lot of boobies. I really don't know. I don't know how Bavaria (laughs) celebrates. For the Krampuslauf, someone dressed as Saint Nick would often lead the parade, walking from house to house, possibly trailed by dozens of Krampus characters shackled in chains and strung with ringing bells. So St. Nick's going to go up, he's going to knock on the doors, and then people open the door and they have to prove their goodness or be punished. Basically, somebody in the crowd gets to whack them. 
And then there might be an exchange of like small treats and a lot of times adult beverages. Somebody in the house offers them up some booze. I think it was brandy was the one that's most commonly offered up, but I may be wrong. Several websites stated that the Catholic Church tried to ban Krampus-inspired celebrations due to his appearance being too closely resembling that of the devil. It wouldn't have surprised me to find out that the church was uncomfortable with people dressed as one of their great saints walking around trailing a whole fucking gaggle of demons near a near a big high holy holiday. I have follow-up questions, most of which revolve around the fact that demons don't get a whole lot of description in the Bible, but that's fine. I think... So it was Dante's Inferno that started to describe mm-hmm. demons and torture and hell more. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it was a painting in the Sistine Chapel of the Pope behind the throne with donkey's ears. Somebody... It, it was Michelangelo, right? Painted him as an ass. And that's where, like, the modern interpretation of the devil came from, was it looked kind of like horns. So basically what we're saying is, for those of you who don't know, people just made that shit up later. It's not in there. So, you know, later we were just like, what would an evil thing look like? Probably like this. (laughs) Let's make it a hodgepodge. Throw some (laughs) horns in there. That sounds good. I don't see this actually in nature, so then it's scary. We'll just paste two things together. That sounds like a devil, right? (laughs) Copy-paste, copy-paste. I was going to make a joke about how that's what happened when my DNA was assembled. (laughs) They were like, oh no, this is is a problem and we can't undo it now. (laughs) Your skin's going to be so dry. I know, it's upsetting. (laughs) It's like it gets so warm when you're a demon. You just like have to constantly moisturize and it's never enough. (laughs) It puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. And sometimes even putting on the lotion and getting hosed, you're still dried (laughs) out. (laughs) So the Catholic Church tried to ban... Krampus. Unfortunately, it's hard to say exactly when these bans may have occurred, though it appears there were probably many attempts of this across history. Some sites didn't reference reference like a specific timeline as to when these bans were enacted, while others said that the earliest of these occurred in the 12th century. That's the 1100s. However, if the church was banning runs and celebrations, they were likely associated with a separate winter festival because this date, the 1100s, would predate the earliest known written record of Krampus by several centuries. What? You mean time has to be all linear to make sense? (laughs) That's crazy. For our little brains to work. (laughs) Jeremy Baramy. Yeah, no. argument it's invalid i'm re-watching that show right now and i was just we just got to the episodes with derek i love derek i i am still stoked that one of the things that happens in the last season is they have that reference to fully understanding twin peaks like you have to die to fully understand Twin Peaks, and I'm I like, I don't remember that. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe that's why I don't understand it. I'm still alive. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Fifteen hundred years of wisdom, and she still can't <laughs> figure that one out. It's David Lynch. It's not me. <laughs> 
So these runs probably, or the bands probably predated the earliest known written records of Krampus. We'll touch more on those other potential runs in a moment. But first, I wanted to give a fun little side note. Aren't you excited? Hit me with the side note. I want it right now. (laughs) Side note. (laughs) The idea of Krampus was probably tied to a few ideas. One was to remind children to behave well and follow rules, most of which would have either protected their love, their loves, their lives, those were important too, or mm-hmm. helped them fit into a society in which it was really important or even extremely important to follow the set norms. The other may have been to essentially remind people that life was short. They'd be coming up on a period of the year in which disease, starvation, and death would have probably become more common. So a reminder to write yourselves in the eyes of God and your community would have been important. Isn't that a fun little side note? Yay! Aren't you like, woo? (laughs) Maybe fun wasn't the right word. (laughs) I think it's a lot of fun, but now my follow-up question is, life is short? (laughs) Question mark? For us mere mortals, yes, Ashley, it is. Damn it. It's all the Red Bull, man. It just keeps your cells going. Well, this is a total aside, and we'll probably have to cut it out of the episode, but some dude sassed me about the amount of Red Bull I drink in a meeting this week, and I was not pleased. <gasps> I thanked him for his concern and then told him I'd do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> That is the absolutely perfect response to that situation. Okay, back to the 12th century bans. Remember how I said they may have actually been banning a different celebration? I do. What was it? Let's dig into it a little bit. I want to know. Okay, so I apologize, Deutschland, if I mispronounce this. The festival known as Perstenlauf or Pershten Run, was traditionally celebrated in the Bavarian and Austrian regions of the Elves. Elves. The Elves. <laughs> the Elves. The elves. <laughs> of the Elves. I can't read. I like to eat cats. <laughs> I'm about to have my <laughs> master's degree. <laughs> it, so, Bavarian and Austrian regions. That's just like some other guy we know. What could his name be? Oh yeah, Krampus. And it also involved people getting dressed in costumes and going door to door. So they dressed up as beings known as Pershten. What is a Pershten, you might ask? Well, that kind of depends on who you ask. But it appears there are two general types of these beings. The Schon Pershten, which is the beautiful Pershten. And I'm going to have to say this over and over. My tongue is already hating me. And (laughs) the Shayak Shayak Pershten, the ugly Pershten. I'm only saying those two words once because it was too hard. So there's the beautiful and the ugly. Some places have other versions, like multiple versions of the beautiful and multiple versions of the ugly, but we'll just generalize into the two big. So the first, the beautiful, banish mischief and help usher in a plentiful year, while the latter, the ugly, scare out the demons and ghosts of winter. It is the ugly Pershton who closely resemble Krampus in appearance and are often described as demons themselves. Ooh. As with the Krampuslof, the ugly Pershton costumes varied by village and region, but were often similar in appearance to those which later came to represent Krampus. 
horns, furs, fangs, bells, drums, these intricate wooden masks, and cowtails used as whips. Which is also a good candy. Meow, meow. I was just thinking that too. (laughs) The parade itself has been described as an ancient pagan ritual meant to drive out ghosts and demons as its name is thought to be inspired. Nope. And its name is thought to be inspired by another frightening wintertime figure, Frau Pershta, who arrives in the region not on December 5th and 6th, but rather on January 5th and 6th during the Epiphany. Hmm. So you might be wondering how a festival an entire month after that of Krampusnacht and Nikolstag could possibly have anything to do with the origins of Krampus. Well, I'm going to tell you. Yay! Is the answer Jeremy Bear Me? (laughs) 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 The answer to all of life is Jeremy Bear Me. (laughs) That's why it never makes any sense. Woo! 42. Frau Pursta, a.k.a. Frau Bursta, has been a figure of some importance in the region for quite a long time. How long is unknown. Some posit that she was once a pagan goddess similar to Frigga or Frau Halla, while others suggest that she was first born in the medieval period. It appears that it was Jacob Grimm, mm. yes, the famous mm-hmm. Jacob Grimm, who first suggested she was an ancient goddess. And it looks like most people... Because he said it, they were all just like, oh, okay, sure, if you say so. And they ran with it. However, author John Smith said that Frau Pershta does not appear in the literature until the 13th century. So that's the 1200s. He also noted that it really wasn't unusual during this period for figures to be spontaneously born into the public imagination as a way to personify feast days. Okay. So there are really good arguments for both, I think. Uh, spontaneous personification is something we still do today. We create mascots for all kinds of things, so why couldn't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, we have a mascot for damn near everything. We personified McDonald's with a creepy-ass clown. Ugh, God. Cool, yeah. I'm glad we brought that up. <laughs> that, was the, that was the first one that popped into my head. <laughs> okay, so we personified our country as Uncle Sam. Okay, that mm-hmm. works for me. Right? Yep. Or um, the 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 desire to support your country and fight for the war as Rosie the Riveter, right? Mm-hmm. We So we create personifications for things that are important. But there's also reason to suspect that ancient origins played a role in shaping her. Much of the region remained very isolated up until the past century or two when railroads finally came through. And in such isolated communities, it's not unusual for old beliefs and customs to be retained for very, very long time. Mm-hmm. So whether truly ancient or slightly less ancient, the first mention in literature is fairly close on the timeline to when it is said that the Catholic Church tried to ban Krampuslav. That was the 1100s, remember? And she shows up in the 1200s. Okay, yeah. So were they actually trying to ban Perstenlauf? That would be my suspicion. Probably. Uh... <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> my literal next word was probably I didn't have to say my suspicion because it's there. <laughs> Frau Pershta not only encompasses the duality of Krampus and Saint Nick in one character in that she both rewards the good and doles out absolutely horrifying punishments to the bad, but many aspects of her character also harken back to ancient hearth goddesses of maiden mother Crone. 
Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So she's probably a little bit of both. Not to mention, the Catholic Church didn't hold a lot of respect for women during that period. So what? <laughs> <laughs> this right? is news to me. So how do you think they would have felt about a powerful woman trailed by a whole bunch of demons around one of their special holidays? Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but I feel like they w- the general attitude would have been, we hate that bitch. <laughs> I think that's probably fairly accurate. Mm -hmm. So fun fact, I didn't know this until doing this research. Uh, Excuse me. (laughs) Can you repeat that? (laughs) We didn't get that down in the back. (laughs) (laughs) God, I'm going to (laughs) pee. Oh no, don't pee your pants. Okay. Fun fact, although most of the Catholic Church recognizes Christ's birth as December 25th, going all the way back to the 4th century CE, which you talked about, Ash. Yeah, and that's, by the way, horseshit still. It's horseshit. (laughs) (laughs) My day. Mine. Some branches of the church actually recognize January 6th as the day of his birth. So either way, it was not a great date to have a powerful woman and a bunch of demons parading around. So either it's the Feast of the Epiphany that she's parading around with a bunch of demons, this potentially pagan goddess Mm -hmm. with a bunch of demons, or it's literally the day we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Pretty sure the Catholic Church's like, "Mm, yeah, we don't don't like that association. And she's like, hey, I'm going to do what I want. These demons need to march around sometime. Yeah, I believe um, what she actually said was, I appreciate your concern, but I'm going to do whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. I feel like that would be very accurate. Except she would have been less like, I appreciate your concern, and more like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want to anyway. (laughs) You want to come mess with me and my demons? I'll cut your guts out and replace it with awful. Oh, we're just eviscerating people now. I Mm -hmm. wish someone had told me I missed the memo. But since she was such an important figure throughout the region, it would make sense that people would not let festivals celebrating her be entirely lost, mm-hmm. even when she's banned by the Catholic Church, especially when you think that these traditions are probably pretty important. Yeah. Like, overall, their their pagan, their older beliefs mixed with their Christian beliefs, both were important and they wouldn't want to lose either. So how best to preserve some aspect of the celebration? tie it to a different, slightly less important figure within the church instead and make punishments relate to quality of faith. Oh. Are they good Christians rather than just good members of their community, which is what she was more associated with? So they they basically probably moved it to a period before the association, association with Christ's birth, right? So it wasn't two weeks following on a holy day. It wasn't definitely on the birth of Christ, however you wanted to view it. It ends up being a little bit before, so we can pretend that it's not really associated with Jesus, right? Sure, Sure. why not? Let's do it. So this might explain why Krampus, who is so reminiscent of those Pershton, appeared only a few centuries later. While the celebration of Pershton may have shifted dates, it probably took longer for Krampus to take hold as a unique character no longer tied to Frau Pershta, and even longer for that idea to spread throughout the region. This is purely my own speculation, though, based on my research, and I am by no means an expert. 
this is just how I'm interpreting this, what I'm getting out of the history that I've read. I don't want to delve too deeply into Frau Pershta because she's pretty, she's, she's a freaking cool character. I'm just going to put it that way. She's wicked and she deserves her entire own episode. So I want to save that for some other day. But I did want to kind of plant a seed in your minds that perhaps the origins of Krampus may lay somewhat in the ancient celebrations of another figure. In fact, Frau Pershta is not the only being from which parallels can be drawn. Krampus may be an amalgamation of many different regional characters and traditions. We're going to take one more quick break and we'll be right back with dessert. Thanks for waiting. I hope you're ready for a dessert that may have inspired a demon. Ooh, I want it. <laughs> what better dessert, right? <laughs> Certainly characteristics of Krampus can be seen in many other folklore characters such as Belschnickel and Knecht Ruprecht of German tradition, Zwarte Piet of the Netherlands, Père Fouetta of French lore and Schmutzli of Switzerland. And I so I apologize to all those countries. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I looked this up two days ago and I'm just going off of how I phonetically spelled it for myself. So hopefully it wasn't too awful. It was bad. <laughs> These characters, often described as dirty, disheveled wild men, accompanied St. Nank on his travels. Yep. Great way to celebrate Christmas. They tended to carry poles or birch branches to beat children with. Some may have had a whip. Many also carried bags or baskets for whisking away naughty children. And all served the purpose of frightening children into behaving well and punishing those who did not. While most of these do not appear in the literature until the 17th, 18th, or 19th centuries, it's clear that certain ideas and themes are shared by many regions of Europe. Perhaps they acquired some of theirs from Krampus and Pershtun traditions, or more likely, these themes were consistent across ancient shared belief systems, which only later came to be personified and incorporated into Christmas. Mm -hmm. The common appearance of birch branches, rods, and whips are likely tied to the age-old practice of flagellation, which was believed by many cultures and religions, including Christianity, to purify. Birch has and still plays a very important role in folk traditions across Europe and even into Russia and North America. Birch trees symbolize purity, healing, protection, and renewal in traditional beliefs, which may have held particular symbolic importance as the darkest nights of winter approached. St. Nick's companions, including Krampus, would carry birch branches that could essentially purify and renew children who had not behaved well. Um. But if they were... I <laughs> Here's the thing though. Um maybe but also the more immediate effect of getting hit with something repeatedly on your posterior is that it hurts to sit down. I just want everybody to know that that's the case. That's true. Yep. You're but it also wrong. makes you it also makes you not want to do whatever got you in that place in the first or in that situation in the first place. Sometimes. <laughs> um listen I'm not saying I definitely did get spanked with a wooden paddle when I was a child but I did <laughs> <laughs> and while it did work in the short term sometimes I'd be like I'm gonna do it again <laughs> it depends what it is if what you did was, like, stealing a cookie, you're probably going to do that again. This is probably. true. 
just good. <laughs> <laughs> that would be breaking one of the Ten Commandments, though, so that could get you whisked away by Krampus. Oh, no, not the Ten Commandments. I'm scared. Because yep. if you've gone too far in terms of how bad you've been, how naughty you were, and the, you can't be purified by the, by the birch branches, that's when basically you're screwed and you go to hell. I'll let other people tell me whether or not I've been purified. I'm pretty sure the answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we just need to hang some bells around your house because bells, which were often used in processions of these characters through villages, also held a symbolic place in many ancient traditions, which were also thought to be cleansing and protective. Protective. Productive. What's that word? Not. (laughs) It's not a word. (laughs) That's what... So they were thought to be cleansing and protective as well as bring good luck. So maybe we need to just string you with a bunch of bells. Is that why we put bells on cats? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it is. (laughs) There's some thought behind, like, maybe that's why ancient shop owners would put them at the doors was to keep evil out and keep good luck in. Hmm. Fluffy has been really bad lately. We're going to put a bell on. Well... We, I think we need to hang them in around the room. Around dec- the room. Around the room. I don't want to do it. Maybe we can decorate your person with them. You no. can't swallow a bell. It's not going to work if you swallow it. Don't put any bells on me. I don't want it. Rather than cleansing a person, the bells actually cleansed the environment by driving away unwanted spirits. Or evil spirits. So the Christmas tradition of dressing in costume, then parading around through a village, ringing bells, and swatting people with birch branches begins to make a little more sense. Costumes were used to disguise people from evil spirits, just like they were during Samhain. And the other tools carried with them were essential for purifying the people and village of evil spirits. What better way to end one year than by literally sweeping out the ghosts of the previous year? Hmm. Makes a little more sense. One other possible ancient origin or inspiration for Krampus may actually be Norse, in fact. Though not related to hell, technically. Instead, he might be a distant relative of Thor's goats, whom Thor had the power to endlessly resurrect. So hear me out on this one. I found this out, I found this whole little thing, and I went, yes, I'm going that direction. <laughs> so you're coming with me. So Thor has these goats that he can endlessly resurrect. So he'll sacrifice these goats and then the repeated resurrection would eventually become an important symbol of death and rebirth around the time of Yule. So this likely inspired Yulebok or Yule goat of Swedish tradition. Hmm. It almost looks these days, it kind of looks like a wicker man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a giant, and apparently there's been a lot of problems with people setting it on fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not the flaming goats. Oh no, it's Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> it's believed that the celebration of the, this tradition has morphed across the centuries, which really isn't surprising for something that's been around for possibly thousands of years. We know that even our beliefs just over the past century have changed pretty dramatically. It may have originally included actual sacrifices of goats or people around Yule time. And then later, when that became less socially acceptable, people would dress as a goat and then be symbolically sacrificed, only to rise again the next day. Right? They're like, I'm dead. Ugh. Hey, guys, I'm still here. <laughs> like a goat Jesus? 
Like a goat Jesus. Or a goat Lazarus, really. I'm yeah. just thinking about fainting goats now. That's all that's yes. happening. <laughs> Eventually, it too became a procession in which men would dress in costumes, then parade through town bringing gifts or pranks to the locals. The Yule Goat itself was believed to visit homes, sometimes separately, sometimes alongside St. Nick. And so they would go together and they would deliver Christmas gifts. So from what I can tell, this, the Yule Goat's like an entirely benign being. There's, it's not malicious in any way. At least it from doesn't what I can try to find. eat your clothes. Well, I mean, it's a goat, so that's a yeah. possibility. But it's not going to drag you to hell or beat with a birch branch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Unless it's got it in its mouth and it just <laughs> swats you with it. Well, Ashley, you love goats, right? Yes, I do. See, so you would probably like this tradition because it's actually pretty cute. They put little goats, yule goats, on Christmas trees Aww. made of straw, and they tie them with a little red ribbon. They're cute. Well, unsurprisingly, Christianity also declared the poor yule goat a demon and tried to ban it. But as in the case of Krampus and Pershta, they did not succeed at totally stamping it out. Thank goodness. Once again, we see some shared themes with Krampus and Pershtan celebrations, but we didn't really answer our big question of who is Krampus and where did he come from? Well, it doesn't appear that he was ever inspired by any real creature, which, you know, I always try to find if there's a real one. Instead, he was an idea, a spooky being birthed in the human mind to remind people, especially children, of the importance of abiding by social norms and respecting traditions. Centuries have changed his appearance and his purpose, and it is likely that Krampus, as we know him now, is a strange but wonderful mishmash of many different beliefs and traditions combined from regions and religions all across Europe. Each period of history and each region has imagined a character that suited their purposes. Even today, Americans have created a new, truly dark being to counteract the sugary sweet Christmases of the past century. We will likely continue to see new incarnations of Krampus as years progress and his popularity spreads. That is the story of Krampus, and now you get to hear my list of ingredients. Mm. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a page about Krampus on mythusfandom.com, a page on nationalgeographic.com called Who is Krampus? Explaining the Horrific Christmas Beast, a page on Atlas Obscura called The Truth About Krampus, an article in The Guardian called Austria Struggles with Marauding Krampus Demons Gone Rogue, a page on ancientorigins.net called... Nothing, apparently. <laughs> I didn't type it out, but the links will be in the show notes. <laughs> it's something to do with Krampus, obviously. A scholarly article in Folklore by John B. Smith entitled Pershta, the Belly Slitter and Her Kin, a view of some traditional threatening figures, threats, and punishments, accessed on JSTOR. A tour my country page called Fear the Austrian Pershtan Pagan Traditions in the Alps, and a page on the Carnegie Museum of Natural History called The Yule Goat. And with that, would either of you have anything nice you care to share? I dyed my hair blue. You did. It's beautiful. Thank you. I said that earlier. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it, I missed that. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was recorded, but I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I think it was. I think you hit record before you ran away to get a blanket. It was probably when I was yelling at Joel. <laughs> totally missed it. Damn it. I'm not original. For once, we're twinsies. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um... Do I have anything good? 
I survived making Thanksgiving dinner. Does that count? That does. does count. Absolutely. I feel like I totally nailed it, too. So that's yeah. pretty cool. What'd you make? I made a turkey stuffing that was in the turkey and then also extra stuffing that's now in the turkey. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you just baste it with turkey juices just in case anyone else wants to do that. It's fun. Um, (laughs) mashed potatoes gravy um, like candied sweet potatoes pumpkin pie rolls I think that's it I don't know pumpkin pie rolls no no. pumpkin pie things my brain heard that as one (laughs) technically there were two pies but yeah there were two of them and then rolls and I also made a cake that's it dang you went all out I went bananas. I peeled like 13 pounds of potatoes. It was fun. So you went potatoes? I did. I think someday when the three of us get together, we need to make some like ridiculous epic feast and just Mm -hmm. get fat together. There will be for sure some hot cheese. Hot cheese soup. (laughs) I feel like you're just going to try to cut my head open. And um, (laughs) please... Please don't do that. I like. We're just gonna have a fondue party. I like my skull in one piece, <laughs> except for you know. We generally do too. Well, the mandible. I don't know. <laughs> things, are getting, things are getting weird over here now, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it sounds like a good holiday and a good feast. Mm-hmm. It, it was pretty. It was all right. It was all right. Was River happy? Yes. That's the important part, right? I mean, it always is because she's supposed to be my pet, but sometimes I'm like, she might be my overlord. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Emily? Oh, something good. Um, well, I officially got the okay to graduate and I got accepted into the PhD program. So I would Yay. say those are two pretty good big things I'm excited about. I only found out that I got accepted into the program because I got an email going, we need a picture for your ID. Oh, (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I guess if uh, we don't have anything else exciting to talk about, I'll close up the restaurant for the night. Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a slice of Christmassy devil's food. Pineapple pizza podcast. Sweet and cheesy, just like Ashley's brain. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, (laughs) but we're glad that you do, question mark. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at pineapp.com. Pizza Pod. That's Pine App APP Pizza Pod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at Pine App APP 
pizzapod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.